Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nexus Podcast. I'm your host, James Dice. Each week, I fire questions at the leaders of the smart buildings industry to try to figure out where we're headed and how we can get there faster without all the marketing fluff. I'm pushing my learning to the limit, and I'm so glad to have you here following along. This episode is a conversation with Lee Odess, physical security expert and access control system thought leader and author of the book, The Six Phase Changes Shaping Access Control. This is a deep dive on access control, which is one of the main utilities in the building, one of the main silos that are sub-industries in and of themselves, just like HVAC or lighting or elevators. And in many ways, the evolution of these siloed industries are colliding with the smart building industry as a whole. And we explore those collisions in this insightful conversation with an absolute expert. Enjoy. Hello, Lee. Welcome to the Nexus podcast. Can you introduce yourself for me? Absolutely. Thank you. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. So, yeah, Leo, currently now I'm the senior vice president at Latch. I've been within the security access control specifically space for quite a while. I'd say the connected space for 20 years started out with Lutron. So lighting controls at an integration firm, worked for a handful of the firms, primarily around access control, where then had my own consulting company in the space and worked with you name them, I've probably worked with majority of either the startups or the big companies in the access control lock space, and then sold that business to Latch, where I'm currently at now. Okay, cool. And that business, I was doing some research on you. That business was like, you started it during the pandemic, it looked like, and then you sold it last fall, something like that. Is that right? Yeah, it was actually, so we started in January of 2020. Uh, I left right, before large, the pandemic. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it was, I call it serendipitous in some areas, but i you know, in our in our industry, the security side, there wasn't a lot of video content. There wasn't a lot of you know. We had a big trade show in March that was scheduled, and I wanted to go. And basically, it was you know, I had interest in creating YouTube content and digital marketing on LinkedIn. So I bought a camera, bought a microphone, had all these plans to go. I, and then the pandemic came. Leading up to it, I was working with a lot of the startup companies in the space that don't get necessarily a lot of press in our in our industry and aren't in on the show floor. So I was going to do a combination of the show floor and that. Mm-hmm. So I interviewed. I, I about forty interviews had had going into it. So when it canceled instantly, I was doing like three podcast videos a day and it, and, and then building more. And it, it sort of turned into this thing that yeah, and I call it call it roughly about January. The, the closing of the of the of the business being sold happened but yeah so that's it's uh for the pandemic it was horrible in a lot of ways and but from a business standpoint for for me personally and, and the people on my team and the family it was good timing because of the dynamics of what happened it was very topical nice nice very yeah. cool well we haven't we were talking before we hit record I, I haven't had a deep dive on access control on the podcast yet so i'm excited to just kind of nerd out with you uh have you teach me and then by default teach the audience about these systems and kind of the role they play in the bigger smart buildings picture let's just start with just maybe just a history of access control systems and what i mean by that is how when did this first start becoming a digital thing Right. And then what are the different phases that you think about when you think about how that industry has evolved over time? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So if you think about electronic access control, because access control has been around since, you know, the cavemen of putting boulders in front of caves, if you want to, but jokingly, (laughs) but like locks, like back in Syria, like long, long time ago, mechanical locks. It's actually 
quite interesting. I was just in the, the Basque region in Spain and France, the area of, of the world. And that's been around for a very long time. It used to be locks that were made for luggage when people were like horse and buggy, right? Like, oh, so that okay. business is, has gone to actually like the hotel I'm sitting in now, the lock that's on the door here has its heritage back to the company that created those little locks for luggage mm. that basically, right? So, so, but if we were to probably more of what you're talking about, especially when it comes to smart home, it's more about the electronic access control. Yeah. And there's a great debate around it, but we did some research and really around 1973 is when electronic access control started. There's an argument over which companies, and this is primarily the United States. Now, as you go in different areas, it, outside of it, roughly around the same time, though, frankly, it's just you have a, an argument over who did it first, not necessarily okay. did it happen. Um, but 1973, Southern California, a handful of companies created electronic access control. And what's, if you were to look at the different periods of time of when it happened, there's a handful of events that happened that I would say have continued to tweak what has started in 1973. And the good and the bad of our industry is, is that the fundamentals of keeping bad people out and the fundamentals of what happened in 1973, the value creation story hasn't changed, okay. right? A lot of it, but it really has. The fundamentals haven't necessarily changed, uh, but the value creation has. And we sometimes mix the fundamentals of the value creation story too much. And so if I was looking at the different periods of time that, that our industry has seen that have been pivotal, that you can go back to and see it, how it's evolved, uh, Lockerbie is one of them when that moment happened. And if you think about it, you had a lot of security around airports and the government, which that's that drives down to the commercial space. You know, then you have 9-11 is another event that drove it. Because if you think about it, you used to be able to walk in any building with a business card, mm -hmm. frankly, and you would get access to a lot of different places. All of a sudden, photo identity and a lot of the things you see at airports are driven into corporate apartment buildings and the rest. Then the really interesting one is the introduction of the iPhone. Because that's when you had the introduction of convenience with security, um, where before all the other ones were about security. And now I would say you're starting to see it because of the pandemic. Like, so that has triggered some of uh, the changes in the phases. But those are really the big events. Now, people would argue like the introduction of like the microchip or whatever, but like fundamentally, those are like the big events that have driven very North American focused, but, but not even all because it's, it's, it's a very small community in a very global world for the access control. So a lot of what happens in China impacts here. What happens here impacts the UK. Like it, it's just how it works. Got it. Got it. And you mentioned Lockerbie. I don't know if I know that story. Can you just briefly explain what, what that was? Yeah, it, it's well documented. Of, it's sort of a, a hostage take and would be an airplane crash and like around sort of security on that side. Um, but okay. pretty well documented yeah it's a, it's the it's a it's a moment that triggered i would say a change in policy and the expectation of how systems work or how you would uh, implement but more than anything else too what it changed was an influx of capital to accelerate technologies that were started within the government kind of like darpa and the internet that all of a sudden makes this happen right same type of thing has happened in our industry of adoption of like radar and of electronics and identity and a bunch of stuff that primarily came from government influences and money that then come down and trickle down to an application of a technology that was protecting airports protects me going into a coffee shop. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So let, let's, let's do a little bit of a nerd out on the, like when I look at an access control system, what are the components? What are the, what's the architecture? And then how has that changed in, in these phases that you're talking about over time? Yeah, I will. And, and I will apologize to my, 
counterparts because there's some parts that I won't talk about that but are very important to them but may not be important like I'm not going to get into biometrics here right so if we if we look at the different components you've got the person that is one so call it identity with that typically historically that's cards keys and fobs on biometrics but historically it's primarily you know people use a card I've got one here to get in my hotel you get in your office it could be a fob whatever it is right so that's that's one component you typically will have some sort of device like a reader or a lock uh, that you go up to, that black box that's on the wall, or it's built into the lock or whatever it might be, but that's usually a part. There is a controller behind that, whether it's a computer, it's a box to a box, like it's where the brains are. Now that is happening to also be in the cloud now with architecture or on site or a hybrid of the two on that side. There's typically an access control software solution that either sits on site or in the cloud or a combination too that helps you manage who has access at what time, who doesn't, your alerts, all of that good stuff. Then there's a whole bunch of components and parts and pieces, but theoretically, those are primarily the most notable parts within an access control system. Now, a new introduction is mobile, which has now opened up a whole other world where you're starting to see a lot happen in that world, but those are primarily your, your majority important parts. Got it. And how is that? So you mentioned the controller could be on site or in the cloud. It, you mentioned the software layer could be on site or in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Has that fully distributed, that sort of change fully distributed throughout the industry? Or is it kind of like the building automation world where you have these legacy systems that could be still installed from 20 years ago? And it's a big hodgepodge in terms of what those architectures look like across, across the board. Yeah, no, it, it, it follows that. We just may be lagging in some areas and leading in others, if you would, but the architecture adoption and that. So again, I go back to 1973. Those systems were built to be on the wall 30, 40, 50 years from now, right? So they right. built them that way. So in a lot of, and if, when their value proposition was to keep bad people out, if no one's been shot in your building, it's working. So the budgets have never really opened up that much to change those systems because the fundamental value of what they were doing is still there. Now though, as like, that's why the pandemic is so interesting because the the value proposition, like overnight, when you couldn't go to your building to change the system and you didn't have it have cloud-based, you had no visibility to what's going on, but you had to give access rights and the rest, unless you had a VPN built and the rest of the stuff, you're pretty much, you know, SOL to go do that. So all of a sudden the architecture of these buildings that we've been talking about, I worked for one of the, the, for the first access control system that was cloud-based while ago we were the weirdos in the back of the booth of the at the show right all of a sudden Mm -hmm. we were like now you're getting to the application of the application so it's not really more about cloud or on-site we're now starting to talk about although you know it's 2022 right so you would this stuff's been around since the early 90s yeah yeah so just to back up a little bit the pandemic made it so immediately overnight you're saying people weren't able to come on site. So they had to administer their systems remotely. Is that what you're saying? That was the first kind of shift that the pandemic had? That was that was one of them, yeah. But and then even in that case, like I'll give you a couple of examples of how they've shifted. All of a sudden, wellness in our industry changed from just keeping yeah. bad people out and making sure you don't get shot or stabbed, right? It was then now about health, like touching things and yeah. frictionless and seamless. You also had health attestation where the core value proposition of mobile before was I was going to take my cards and make them mobile. So I was, it's like early smart home where early smart home mobile was, I'm going to do everything I did before 
like flip a switch, I'm now going to go do that inside of my phone right now, though the value proposition has shifted a bit more. So overnight, the health attestation was part of the access control and you need to have that seamless. You also had a case where everyone now is a visitor, where before you had knowns and unknowns. You still have knowns and unknowns, but we went ahead and made everybody unknown because you need to know when they're coming in, when they're not. Mm. The, the, the expectations of our system, like about booking desks and booking things and like all of that stuff didn't exist. And now all of a sudden overnight in the commercial world, your systems need to do that or they need to integrate, which is also another interesting one, is it, it added another layer of, a, the need for APIs and SDKs and things like that, that, yeah, they've existed before, but they were kind of a nice to have overnight, yeah. they became a must have for your system. And that's, that's interesting to me because now you see companies putting budgets, real budgets behind doing that stuff where before it was like, all right, there's some missed opportunities and some key accounts maybe asking for it. So that's what I'm going to do. So now it's sort of like, if I don't have it, my system's outdated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to kind of mirror what's happening in the building automation world, because we have that wide spectrum of systems that have been upgraded and systems that are legacy systems, what we're seeing on the building automation side is that some systems have APIs, right? You know, you might go to a building and you might find an API, but you might go to a building and you might find a legacy protocol that you now need some sort of gateway to connect to that system. Is it the same exact thing on the access control side? Primarily, yeah. I mean, once you get into, I don't believe we've still gotten there in the whole building automation, like, you know, back to the back net days, tritiums and the rest of it back, way back machines of when yeah. we were doing this back in, you know, for me, it was 1999, but for other people, I'm sure it was 1979, right? But so <laughs> yeah. we're still, we're still like on that same, maybe it's, it's a bit more adoption, the rest of it, but like from an access control standpoint of being able to do that stuff. Yeah. Same model of like, we, you have old systems that are being asked to do current value propositions of today and they're wondering why it doesn't work and it's like well you know having an rpc xml sort of like you know database of how you do integrations versus restful apis and the rest of the stuff it's not like you can spin that stuff up overnight it takes time and the need for it is now so you get to this weird case which i would also say which is nice is now that the value proposition has changed too, where historically you would never do a rip and replace as an end user, you now have a more reason and more budgets because all of a sudden overnight access control was primarily the, the weirdos in the basement doing security or like who was associated a risk. But now around our table and decision-making, which it was there, but it was only at the high end. Mm-hmm. Now going deeper into decision-making, you've got you know the HR people, you've got the legal people. I've got all these people that want an access control system, which is probably the things that people touch on a daily basis. So if you think about the impacts of, of making a touch point with somebody, you use your access control system like almost every day when you go in a building. Even when you're not using it, you're using it because the way the system's been set up is to let you go in. That's that's access control. That just means I don't have a barrier set up to stop you, right? So like, it's an interesting, important piece that is historically, I would say, only being considered because you didn't want again a bad person to get in. Now though, it's sort of like, all right, how do we play with engagement? How do we help with health and wellness? How do we data? Like, how do we understand people flow? And like, you know, like there's a lot that our systems were have been able to do before that people are starting to put more money towards to adopt and they're ripping and replacing. Got it, got it. So you mentioned integration, you mentioned connecting to other systems. 
what are all the different systems that data might go to from the access control system? And then maybe this is going to be a long answer from you, but I actually just want to hear what you have, to, what you have to like, kind of like answer this really broad and vague question. And then what are the systems and use cases where commands might come from elsewhere besides the access control system? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I'll first start by saying access control is a utility in the building, in my opinion, just like HVAC, yeah. just like yeah. lighting, just Agreed. like, right? So it's a, it's a fundamental piece. So it, it, it takes some of the fundamentals of building management. Like it, it can be as something as simple as a building automation system as something as, you know, left to the imagination that I don't even know about at that point where you can, yeah. you can make a rational decision. So because it's a utility and because it, it typically is uh, managing not only risk, but like flow of people and things like things being like cars, for instance, into a garage, right? That, that's an aspect of access control as well. That may have nothing to do with getting into the actual office, but it does now of getting the cars into the parking lot. That's part yeah. of the building, right? So like, mm -hmm. it, I, I'll, I'll answer it. You know, I can get as specific as you want from examples. The other thing, or, or, and then as, you know, brought us me basically punting and saying, you know, anything because of, because <laughs> yeah. it's utility, mm -hmm. right? Because it's utility. And that's a hard in the good about that is, is that, as an industry, we haven't necessarily done a really good enough job telling our value creation story because yeah. we've been so hardened in the security space where actually think about it. If I want convenience now from doing this, that actually typically runs in, in like complete oh, contrast yeah. to security. Totally. Like we want barriers. We want you to be inconvenienced. Like that's mm -hmm. a fundamental part. It's purposely built. There's a lock and a door. And if you have to do eight things to get in, we're like, yeah, good. It means it's working. And they were like, well, now I've got this device being the phone, that, yeah. you know, a computer. How do I bring levels of higher security convenience? That's the great, that's the area I spend a lot of time in thinking about because I will not, I'm not the one that dies on the hill. That's like, you know, mobile's not going to be there. Convenience right. can never be part of this. Like, like yeah. I just, that's not where I come from. So I get sometimes, you know, flogged as like not the security guy, but that's not true. I think it is this part of the security story. But I would also say it depends on verticals too. What's interesting now within security is before, like I said, most of our systems were set up for airports that were brought all the way down to a multifamily building that you live in. And we and you would use like 10% of what's needed in there, but it fundamentally did what it needed. It stopped and added access for people and kept bad people out. So it's like, cool, it works, but it's not, it doesn't delight. Right. So now, though, you have vertical verticalization happening. You've had that, like, for instance, in hotels where the access control now is specifically for hotels, integrations with hotels. You know, we don't call, you know, people that stay here, you know, employees because like I, I'm, a, I'm a guest. Right. So mm -hmm. the systems themselves are very specific to that. You're seeing that now in multifamily where I spend most of my time now is those systems are verticalizing as well. So like the people that are winning in the access control space in those areas are getting very specific where the, the integrations are unique. The, the value creation stories are unique. I, you're going to start to see it in, and you're starting to see it in the enterprise side of it. There still yeah. will be the airports. There still will be industrial and the rest, but that's what's happening to our industry right now, which is primarily being driven by software. And that's what's interesting. If we take a step back, if you look at our industry, we went from mechanical locks mm -hmm. to motorized, same ones now motorized, like I want that to happen, to connected to now smart, 
we're starting to enter the smart world. And that's really the progression that we've made. What we've historically have had happen though, is the same locks that were connected were the same ones that were motorized, which were the same ones that were analog and mechanical. And we treated software along the way as a feature of hardware. What's happening now though, is you're seeing a shift in our industry where the hardware is actually a, a feature of the software totally different fundamentals. Now, my my industry folks that I like to get into, uh, so call it intellectually sparring over this would be, <laughs> they'll say, no, that's not true. They're, they're right. This, I write about this in the book and that around, you have a phase change happening. And just like water turning to ice, that weird period in the middle where it's like slush, that's mm-hmm. what we have right now, where you have both truths, the old truths and the new truths exist. So we do have pockets where all the fundamentals of 1973 still exist. It doesn't mean that the 2022 ones of software that I'm talking about don't. And so you've got, it's, it's very confusing now for end users in a lot of ways, because you can almost see the fundamentals of what they want in the old stuff, but then they get to a point, it's like, well, why doesn't it just work? And it's like, well, it's hard to explain to them that like, because back in 1973, there are systems that still work in buildings since 1973 that are still happening right now, especially in New York city and, areas of, of density and early adoption that are being used. That is like, ooh, like it, it's going to take some time. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take some time. Hey guys, just another quick note from our sponsor Nexus labs, and then we'll get back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Nexus foundations, our introductory course on the smart buildings industry. If you're new to the industry, this course is for you. If you're an industry vet, but want to understand how technology is changing things, this course is also for you. The alumni are raving about the content, which they say pulls it all together. And they also loved getting to meet the other students on the weekly Zoom calls and in the private chat room. You can find out more about the course at courses.nexuslabs.online. All right, back to the interview. So you mentioned kind of fundamentals of value creation with software. I don't know if that was your exact wording, but something like that. What are those new fundamentals of of the software driven side of things? So I do think it's the, the definition of like APIs and SDKs are one, like having yep. those like the mm-hmm. basic, like you would think that that doesn't need to be like a, 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 a I don't have to say that, but you do, because it's, that doesn't yeah. exist. Like yeah. it does exist. It's starting to, and what's new is the new people are a lot of times forcing the legacy to have to go do that on that end. There's also a, an interesting fundamental of like getting very crisp on your core value proposition, where historically we've been a lot of closed architectures and we do everything. Sometimes we don't do anything other than the one thing we'll, we'll protect it by doing some, some thing to like uh, a protocol or a way we wire the system, or whatever. So a core, a core sort of fundamental also is the sort of co-opetition side of where historically you competed with people, you didn't cooperate with them a lot, where now the, we're having to make real clear point of views and where our value creation is. And, and also like the expectation is, is that you're now going to compete, but then also cooperate in some senses of, of a value, complete system to a marketplace where you haven't before. Yeah. I think another one is that's fundamentally changed is the, the pure definitions of how our product goes to market through the channel, how we make money, how things are priced, all of that. The old, I like, I, our, our industry was in a lot of ways, I joke, but not, has been based off of Excel spreadsheets and maybe even before that, you know, however long Excel's been around, even before 1973 versions of, you know, green bars and whatever it might've been back in the day then, of mm-hmm. formulas of how we make money. 
are being challenged now with these new things. Like if before all I had was the hardware to make money off of, I did it one way. Now I have software also. So I, as a, as a company, I have different ways to make money. I, I believe in some senses, that's why you're going to start to see things change a lot, like in safe schools, because mm -hmm. historically the only way I made money off the schools was selling hardware. Yeah. Now though, I have different ways of doing it that I may open up where I historically have not been able to want to go do because of, of that and pressures from society of, of doing things different to bring different levels of, of that. But th those are some just examples. There's, there's like, I got a hundred lists of things that have changed. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned your book. I wanted to get to that. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you, you published it around 2020 ish. And it's kind of uh, about yeah. these changes that are happening. So it sounds like, can you talk about kind of the book and kind of what you were intending to do with it? Sure. Yeah. It, it's called, it was called the, it's called the six phase changes shaping access control. I mean, yeah, we wrote it like in 2020. I think we launched it then or 2021. I can't remember exactly, but it around that same time period. And it was, it was me trying to articulate what I believe were the changes that are happening. And what I tried to show too, is that some of these are sort of like just fundamental stuff. It's not like some weird offing like if you look at the six that we said are there it's market reach technology innovation engines marketing talent and what i called it factor right like those are i'm not like ai and robotics yeah. and you know and like like crispr it's like no it's like these are like core things but it, those are the things that in my opinion are changing I mean, drastically because that were frankly happening before, but then the pandemic has accelerated, or in some cases, there was like a longer list of things that were part of changes that are no longer that important because mm -hmm. these things have taken over. And it's, I'm now in, you know, 2022 starting to think, all right, what of those things are still true? What are that we get wrong? What are in some cases the, the sort of the even more detailed around them, like marketing, for instance? We've never had a really market. We marketed to the channel. It didn't matter. All of a sudden, mainstream marketing is here. And you saw the markets happen where we had an influx of cash and companies going public and spat. Like we had more companies go public in, in call it 2022, 2021, than we probably did over the past 10 to 15, 20 years. We had more cash flow come in, cash, new cash come in from external people that didn't care about our industry ever mm -hmm. all of a sudden right so like those fundamentally changed things like how you talk the stories you tell it became very important to go do that yeah so like an it factor for instance all of a sudden it mattered how you like it was a bunch of brands that no one really knew about before it didn't matter but now how you showed up in the room actually mattered hmm. there's there's a there's a belief especially if you look at some of like some of the fundamentals of like the software industry of what you see that stuff matters in that world. And it's starting to matter in our world where before you didn't want that. You didn't want people to know about you because you're a security company. The more people knew about you, your, your attack surface was larger and stuff like that. Right. Like, right. so it's interesting. It's interesting. So we, so yeah, so we got into all of those parts and then we took that book though, and then applied it to, I think it was 40 companies in our space. Oh, okay. And, and applied it to a, a today and tomorrow access to basically say who are the companies that are set up primarily to take care of today, tomorrow, or both. And we try to apply it. So it was a different lens because most of the companies in our space, they'd be like, who are the most successful? They're like, well, here's the biggest. And it's not always the case yeah. because if you're looking at today and yesterday, maybe that's the case. But as I was looking at today and tomorrow, my, my lens was very different. And it was the conversations I was having with not only people in our industry, but as I started talking to people outside, it was just interesting to me to think, oh, they're asking me totally different questions 
they weren't asking me if I, you know, supported this protocol. They were asking me, like, how do you innovate? Like, mm, like mm-hmm. things like that, right? That no one cared about, frankly, before in our industry or didn't ask directly. Yeah, yeah. And is it is it similar to other sort of, you call them utilities like that? It's a better framing. I used to say silos. Is it is it similar to the other the other utilities in the building like HVAC where you have these, you know, 100-year-old incumbents or maybe 30, 50-year-old incumbents that are a little bit slower to change, a little bit kind of yeah. grasping onto how things have always been? Is it, is it the same thing in access control? 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're very similar to... HAC, we're very similar to lighting. You know, when I when I look at my days back in the lighting world, it was there's a lot of the same type of stuff that is happening here. It's just at different parts of the sort of adoption phase, um, and we happen to be, I would say, be, you know, in some cases we're ahead in some areas and we're behind, but the fundamentals of business are still fundamentals of business. And I always joke that like some of these cases are, you know, buildings are still primarily built a lot of the same ways. Like it's not all of a sudden that like. This like core fundamentals have changed in a lot of cases. Some have, but they've I would say evolved more than changed. So we we pattern a lot like that. Yes, got it, got it. I want to circle back. Are there, are there any other of those six phases that you feel like are important to to touch on in this conversation? I don't know that we have time to like go deep into each one yeah, of them. No but any, any yeah. big ones? Yeah, I would say market reach is an interesting one because yeah. again, we've used to historically go after the high security side of just like the top of the pyramid of security needs airports mm-hmm. and we would push down and there's a big middle ground that we never have really worried about that all of a sudden too, you're even seeing from the call it more consumer of the, the bottom side going up impacting our business. So when we did research and we, we did the total addressable market of our industry, it's been a $10 billion market historically that has been built off that high security side. And it was primarily hardware. When we looked at it, and we brought in software and we looked at it, it was, we actually saw a $70 billion market. And a lot of that is because of the applications of the technology have changed, the customer set has changed. So we went from a $10 billion market to a 70. And what's interesting is a lot of the big companies that are going after that 10 billion are actually not the long-term big companies that are going after the 70. It doesn't mean their business isn't good. Like, and this is not like, I'm, no, it just means that the market is very, very different once you start looking at the market reach of these companies, that it just changes the way you view it completely of how you build, what markets you go after, the rest of it. And it also shows why you're starting to see the investments into our industry as you were before, because the the public markets, if you would, or the the more, I call it more risk money, like venture back and stuff like that, never saw the $10 billion market big enough. They do see the $70 billion market as big enough. So that's why you started to see people come in. The impacts, like I like to spend a lot of time thinking about secondary effects. The secondary effects are like 10 years from now, ooh, it's going to be a totally different market. Totally different market. Because of today. Okay. I want to circle back on, on the software and then specifically you said security versus convenience. So a, a lot of the software I track in this space is, is vertical specific, kind of like you're talking about the verticalization of, of access control. There's also the verticalization of occupant experience, right? So there's apps there and and the apps specialize on multifamily or they specialized on on workplaces that are occupant, uh, owner occupied. And then there's apps that specialize on tenant landlord situations, right? For experience, there's apps that specialize in higher ed and healthcare and all, all of that, right? The question I have is how is, you know, you have a startup that's software only, right? Coming into a space and you know, making demands like you talked about of 
you know, you need to have this in your API SDK, Mr. Access Control Company, right? How is that the, the impetus of these apps and as they gain scale in each of these verticals, how is that sort of transforming what the access control system is becoming? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's always interesting to me, right? Because in a lot of these companies, they'll come in and like the tenant engagement side, they'll, they'll basically come in and talk about how they're going to disrupt the old legacy yeah. access control, ignore them. Like yeah, that the, the, what everyone wants is they want to be able to order a latte. Right. And what you quickly find out is it's very hard, in my opinion, to get users to change the habits of ordering lattes through the app, get adoption of the app. Yeah. So what they all end up doing is they all go back down the road and they call me the access control or peep my peers. Mm-hmm. And they have to deal with us because the sort of bare basics of what people do every single time is they use their card to get into the building and now they want to move that to mobile. The idea being is that once they move the mobile, I've now got them in the app. I now can then sell them lattes. Like it's like, you know, I just summarized <laughs> yeah. a 60, you know, 60 page deck of a lot of companies that are, that are going in our industry. Yeah. But what you see is the adoption of that is relatively slower than their PowerPoint presentation say it is but they get traction on the access control. So then they start building out access control features. And there's this weird period that happens where they start to be competitors of the same companies they want to compete with. Yeah. And they start to have to go build a bunch of things that they don't want to go do because it's, again, it's a, it's a utility has been around for a long time. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you need to go build to be an access control company mm. that doesn't support the investment thesis that your venture you know, uh, backing told you to go do. And it's like, well, where are the features that you promised on the roadmap of like 17 different, you know, milk types for my latte and you're spending all your time doing this dirty access control work that needs to be done. And you get to this weird period that happens then. That said, what does happen is it is showing the value beyond locking and unlocking, the value beyond keeping bad people out. And it's now allowed companies like ours to have conversations that are very, very different than before where the expectation was just talk to me about the locks. Like, don't talk to me about the other. I'll give you a good example is like the whole delivery side of things now that you're seeing going on about getting packages into people's houses or into the fridge or into the units or into the buildings, right? That happened to the access control industry. We've been able to do that for a very, very long time. That's access and letting people get into it. It's very hard to do it when it's the old school way of where we've done it, where it's sort of knowns and unknowns. And actually, we don't know who the people are. We just know the card that we gave it to somebody where now I need to know who the person is because it's very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's now allowed us to really look at it and say, you know, in a lot of cases, some of these companies are logistics companies now that are formerly access control companies or they're working with them and they can they have a new revenue stream because now you want my APIs. I'm not just going to give them to you. So you can go create value on top of my stuff. No, like I'm allowed to participate in that conversation. So like, that's a lot that's happening. So it's value, it's permission in the marketplace to go do it. It's allowed investment in areas that historically maybe we didn't have the opportunity because we couldn't tell the story at, at the old. It's also, I'd say put in check some of the venture back companies who you know, we're going to dominate the world selling lattes and engagement. I joke about that, but like, yes. that's like the extreme, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's true. Like the, the, the conversations have changed a lot. The other thing I'll tell you is like we've been having a lot of us, me personally, since 2001, we've been having a lot of these conversations. They just weren't at the extreme that they are now where you have so many companies doing very like 
very specific things that I, you know, sometimes feel like a feature of a larger company where the vision is to be a larger company, but they're going to go, they're going to crush this one feature, right? There's mm -hmm. a ton of them. And, and it's hard to know where to prioritize and where not, because, you know, no one has infinite resources. Yeah. So you have to, you know, the, the way that you product manage has fundamentally changed in our industry. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of parallels there, there with energy management and how yep. there's so many different companies and, and it's very, very, very fragmented. Everybody does like one step of the journey really well. How do you see that playing out with all these startups and then all of these incumbents? How do you, where, does, where is this going in access control? I, I believe you'll see, uh, I, I, so I think maybe the, the frantic pace maybe slows down a bit, right? And it normalizes a bit, but I believe that there will continue to be evolution and development and innovation. So it's not gonna go away. I think some of the truths of old will continue. Some will die. Some new ones will be introduced, right? And I think some of the startup companies will adopt some of the old truths of the old industry, and it'll you know continue some of the new ones. Like on that end, I believe I believe you will start to see a great amount of weird partnerships that seem weird on paper today, but look make a lot of sense long term on that end, right? I I really believe that this is a half full story where new value creation, you know, some of the, some of the bad fundamentals will continue. Like, you know, there'll be companies that pop and then go away for a lot of reasons. You know, there's, there's, there's great, I can, I can, there's great stories that are, you can use outside of our industry that'll look a lot like us, whether it's the stories of Kodak or it's the story of Magic Leap, <laughs> you know, you can, mm -hmm. you can, you'll see those in our industry as well. So, I, I mean, I think in the end, um, I do believe you will see more vertical, like you're saying, happen more. So there'll be actually a larger market for people to win where in access control, it's usually been just one market and there's only been a few winners. I mm -hmm. think there'll be a lot more winners because there's a lot more opportunity. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think my last question is around business models. So you mentioned this started as a hardware business model. I'm gonna sell, you know, readers and controllers and some sort of server or computer that sits on site, right? Very, again, very similar to HVAC, very similar to lighting. What are the, what are the business models and access control of tomorrow? And, and how do those, you mentioned software, right? But how, how are they charging their customers and how is that going to work moving forward? Yeah, so there's an interesting model that's been introduced in access control, a new actually stakeholder that we've historically not had an opportunity to interact with, and that's the end user. Yeah. So, you know, as I look at different ways of interaction, which open up different opportunities, as we now start to have a better relationship with the end user because of this, I then start to think what I can do on that. So it's the value that I can create outside of my interactions with them or access, you know, the delivery side, like before. If you think about it, the shippers never cared about the access control companies to create that. But now if I can reduce the number of times they have to make deliveries to bring a box, that $200 cost of doing that, now I can share in that, hmm. right? So like it, all of a sudden there's, there's operational efficiencies and yeah. revenue generation opportunities that didn't exist before because my core value proposition was keeping bad people out. And I cared only about landing and then expanding because you didn't rip my stuff out. And yeah. so I always joke that my value, my, my, 
the way I made money was like, I prayed for lightning strikes because if you, if a reader got shocked and died, I could sell you a new one. Right. Mm. Or, you know, I'm waiting for expansion of the existing hospital that existed there. Right. Where now I look my the way I view it, every existing opportunity is now a whole new game. That's the other part. Our industry has primarily been built off of new construction because rip and replacing was just never going to happen. Got it. Mm-hmm. Right. So now all of a sudden I can go back to systems and I have a new way of monetizing because I have new interactions and new value. That's phenomenally interesting. And that's why the, the industry it may, it's probably even bigger than 70 billion. But I, I didn't have necessarily the math chops to be able to understand yeah. that marketplace. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what's the I don't know, like what's the spend that goes on in certain areas where people make decisions where they need access to where I have a new monetization where. It's not like the hardware is the enabler of the software, which yeah. is then the enabler of the interactions of a new stakeholder. I don't know. Yeah. And is it the case? Uh, where... Also, I'll give you another one. Like, okay. in, like, I find it interesting to think about how our industry impacts engagement with employees of the building. Like when everyone's hybrid now, right? So mm-hmm. like the expectations you have on my system are different where I'm doing health at the station. I'm welcoming people. They're booking a, a desk, you know, a package comes and pinging them. Like, like there's a whole lot of things where like, theoretically, you would never see a company like Zoom get into the access control business. But if now my physical spaces are no different than this space, that's why I talk about like, I get into the metaverse now conversations with people and I'm not even arguing whether it's real or not or it matters. But like I get into it on the idea that the, the sort of, the permission it gives for you to explore are basically thinking like, like, like I always think that there's a, there's a branding opportunity in our industry, like Mr. Beast doing burgers to security. Like if I'm securing buildings in the metaverse for my son now in Roblox, for instance, mm-hmm. when he's older down the road, he's got a trust relationship that there's a company on Roblox that's been securing his, you know, virtual <laughs> places forever that he now, if he sees it as like the actual person guarding a i don't know a stadium he's mm-hmm. got a relationship there right like that i'm like wow that's like okay so what what's the monetization there where like i actually can monetize in the metaverse and it directly impacts where i don't have to monetize in the physical world that's i don't know like is it going to happen yeah. i hope so will mm-hmm. it happen that's a whole nother podcast but like yeah that's interesting right like yeah, totally. 1973 me access control nah i wasn't worried about that <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, so if I'm a building owner and I'm buying it and where I used to buy a hardware, I used to buy probably a project that included hardware, right? You know, installed, I'm, I'm renovating or I'm building a new building. What's my access control bid? How, how am I buying it today? Is it a bunch of SaaS agreements based on these different value propositions or how does that work? Depends. Okay. Some of it's still the 1973 model where it's hardware and no software costs. Some of it has software yearly, and then some of it is SaaS based, right? So it, okay. it depends on what a legacy building versus new. Depends on you know you as a, a building owner versus like how like the type of building owner that you are, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a whole lot that goes into it, and that's why, my opinion, uh, the the curiosity of that owner now has to change to where yeah. the way you interact and think of your access control system has to change. So the, your, your RFP and RFQ and your expectations and what you want to do and what you're willing to do, it, it's changed. So like asking different questions as well Got as it. saying like, you know, cause this is what's in, like, as we look to go forward, I do believe the companies that still focus on safety and security are the ones that will win. Not a 
latte ordering company that doesn't worry about safety and security because mm-hmm. it's a fundamental piece. Like, yeah. You look at safety and security, it sparks innovation because if I can go into a building and I don't have to worry about being shot, I'm not, you know, I can, I don't have to worry about it. Like that's a core societal, like a lot of books have documented the psychological health of being safe in a building to your ability to, you know, perform. You're going to still need that. So you still want to have those basics. It's just now what you, what you can do of it and your, your thought around your expectations of how that system should perform completely different. Mm. Fascinating. All right, let's let's close. I feel like I could ask you questions about this all day because it's a new domain and my brain is just being fed. Right. Uh, I love it. Thanks so much. Let's let's close this down though and go into my last question, which is carve outs. So could be personal and professional. Besides your book, which we'll put a link to in the show Thank notes, you. what podcast, show, movie, book, etc., would you recommend people check out? Yeah. So on a book, the one, this is for me personally. And the one I tell people all the time, the one that made the biggest impact for me is E-Myth Mastery. I read it years ago. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally yeah. still works today. Like I read the new book build, right. The one that just came out. Yeah. Like it, it's, it feels like that book, just a more modern in software, but like the fundamentals are there. And I, okay. you know, build, I know we're always looking for written by Michael Gerber also, or who, who's built no, by uh, builds by uh, Tony Fidel. Got uh, oh yeah. 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 Right? yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I look at those books and there's a Venn diagram of like overlap of a they lot overlap. of fundamentals in that end that do it. But it's also a part that, you know, Michael Gerber's book totally missing. But it, it like I look at that, it profoundly made a huge impact on me that me too. it's still one of those books that's still relevant. And it was about construction in some ways too, right? So it's like, yep. it meant more to me in that case than like the rest of it. So that, that would be the one that I, I still... Any new employees that I get or people I mentor and work with, I tell them to go read that. And they're like, that old book? And you're like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that old book. Absolutely. So funny story about mine. So I'll share mine as well. Please. I was going to buy Build by Tony Fidel and I and bought this instead. It's called The Messy Middle. And it's like kind of like where I'm at on my entrepreneurial journey is like Nexus has been created. It's a thing. It's, you know, it's here. But like, how do I get from here to, to there? And it's re- really interesting. I just read, there's like two page chapters and I just read a chapter every morning before I start my start my day. And it's been great. So yeah, The Messy Middle by Scott Belsky. Which is good. I highly recommend that too. I read it too. And it's, it's one of those that's like obvious and not obvious all at the same time, mm-hmm. which is always, yeah. I, I, I love things like that. So yeah, I'm with Love you. it, love it. Well, thanks Lee for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll let you get off to the airport. No, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate what you do too. I know how hard it is for my past life of doing this and the constant grind of what you do and to produce this in the professional way that you do it. I'm I not only envious of it, but respect it a lot. So oh, thank congratulations. you. Well, I find it very, very fun. And uh, hopefully everyone else feels that as well. Thanks. Wonderful. All right, friends, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nexus Podcast. For more episodes like this and to get the weekly Nexus newsletter, which, by the way, readers have said is the best way to stay up to date on the future of the smart building industry, please subscribe at nexuslabs.online. You can find the show notes for this conversation there as well. Have a great day.